Welcome to Thank God It's Monday with Tony Adiogenarafa. I have a question for you. Is it possible to thrive in today's workplace while following God? People in all kinds of workplaces face these questions daily, and many find the answer so difficult they are tempted to give up. The central character of the book of Daniel faces the question under extreme circumstances, providing an example that may be helpful in 21st century workplaces. Exiled from Jerusalem when God's people were conquered by the Babylonian Empire, he must live out his life in an environment very hostile to the Most High God. Yet circumstances bring him to a position of high opportunity in the service of the Babylonian king. Should he withdraw from the corrupt and profane Babylonian government and seek a life pleasing to God in an enclave among other Jews? Should he relegate his fate to a private and personal sphere, perhaps praying to God only in his closet, while living the life of Babylonian power and influence indistinguishably from those around him? Daniel chose neither. Instead, he embarked on a promising career while remaining publicly devoted to God. The story of how he navigates these treacherous waters is both guidebook and case study for today's workplace Christians. The book of Daniel begins with the disaster that has finally ended the Jewish kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had conquered Jerusalem, deposing its king and taking some of the royals and noble young men captive. As was typical in the ancient Near East, Nebuchadnezzar, who lived between 605 and 562 BC, made sure to take vengeance of the vanquished nation by plundering their temple and employing its former treasures to decorate the house of his own god. By this we know that Nebuchadnezzar was an enemy not only to Israel, but also Israel's god. Among the youths taken captive were Daniel and his companions, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The four were chosen for a select program based on youth, aptitude, and appearance to enter into training for a leadership position in the kingdom. This presented both an opportunity and a challenge. The opportunity was to make good lives for themselves in a hostile land and perhaps to bring God's power and justice to their new country. The challenge that Daniel and his colleague faced was assimilation at the expense of loyalty to God and their people. The subjects they would have studied probably included astrology, the study of animal entails, rites of purifications, sacrifice, incantation, exorcism, and other forms of divination and magic. This would have been arduous to the faith of devout Jews. Moreover, Daniel and his friends had to accept changes to their very names that previously proclaimed their allegiance to God. Nonetheless, Daniel and his colleague embraced the challenge, securing the belief that God will protect their faith and loyalty. They enrolled in Babylonian education, but set limits to guard against actual assimilation into the pagan culture of their captors. Daniel resisted the rich diet that was required for all trainees, refusing to defile himself. Daniel's way of collaborating with his overseer is a critical part of the story. Some Christians, when asked to do something against their conscience, either go along uncritically or else take a confrontational stand that appears to make them holier than thou. Daniel found a third path. Recognizing that his boss was sympathetic, 
but was in a difficult position. If Daniel and his friends lose vigor due to lower quality of food, an Indian overseer's eyes, vegetables and water seemed inferior to the rich food and wine, the overseer will lose not only his job, but his life. So Daniel asks for an evaluation. Give us 10 days. And if we are not healthier than others, we will relent and follow your diet. When Daniel and his companion came out of the test after 10 days healthier than others, everyone was given Daniel's diet, no doubt leading to another workplace challenge between Daniel and the Babylonian students. In any case, the discussion of Daniel's diet highlights a much deeper point. God has a hand in the event in Daniel's life as well as in Nebuchadnezzar's, in Babylon, and in every nation. The first chapter of the book reflects this at the onset by stating, The Lord let King Joachim of Judah fall, and God allowed Daniel to receive favor and compassion. Daniel and his friends exceeded the physical development of the other novitiates, not because of their genius or their diet, but because God gave them knowledge and skill in every aspect of literature and wisdom. Daniel's training by the king's professors was clearly augmented with the wisdom from God. For in every matter of wisdom and understanding concerning which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. This set the pattern for the remainder of the book, as time and again events displayed the superiority of Daniel's wisdom, or more importantly, the power of his God over the wisdom and the power of unbelieving nations and their kings. Likewise, students today need to think beyond the curriculum, seeking insight from God about what they are learning. We'll take a short break and I'll be back momentarily. Afifema is a deluxe fashion brand for today's woman. We aim to become a global fashion brand of class, femininity and sophistication with the ultimate goal of making women of all ages look and feel ageless. Visit us today at www.afifima.com. Welcome back. Christians in all kinds of workplaces today face similarities of what Daniel and his friends experienced at the Babylonian Academy. There is no way to escape secular workplaces other than withdrawing to insular communities or choosing to work in Christian-only institutions such as churches and publishing houses. Many secular places, but certainly not all, offer a variety of opportunities for personal gain such as good pay, job security, professional achievements, status, comfortable working conditions, and interesting creative work. In themselves, these are good things, but they tempt us with two serious evils. The first is the danger of becoming so enamored of the good material things that we become unwilling to risk these things by standing up for what God requires of us. And the second is the spiritual danger of coming to believe that the good things came as a result of our labor or genius or as a result of our service to other power other than God. Moreover, the workplace often demands accommodations that in themselves are not good, such as cheating and deception, prejudice, mistreatment of the poor and the powerless, pandering to unwholesome desires, taking advantage of others in their moments of need, and many more. The book of Daniel provides no specific guidelines, 
but it suggests some vital perspective. Let's take a quick look at some of them. Christians can embrace education even if it is conducted outside the bounds of Christian accountability. Christians can embrace work in non-Christian and even hostile work environments with suitable safeguards. Christians who work or study in non- or anti-Christian environment should take care to avoid uncritical assimilation into the surrounding culture. Safeguards against this can include number one, constant prayer and communion with God. Daniel prayed three times daily throughout his career and with special commitment during difficult times in his work. How many Christians actually pray for the specifics of their work lives? The book of Daniel constantly shows that God cares about the specific details of a daily work. Number two, firm adherence to material markers of the faith. Even if they are somewhat arbitrary, Daniel avoided eating the king's rich food and wine because it would have compromised his loyalty to God. We could argue whether this particular practice is universally required by God, but we cannot doubt that a living faith requires life markers of the boundaries of our faithful behavior. Number three, active association and accountability with other Christians in the same kind of work. Daniel made a request to the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But few Christians have any forum where they can share concerns, questions, successes, and failures with others in their field. How are lawyers to learn how to apply faith to law except by regular, intentional discussions with other Christian lawyers? Likewise, for engineers, artisans, farmers, teachers, parents, and every other vocation, creating and nurturing this kind of group is one of the great unmet needs of workplace Christians. Number four, formation of good relationship with non-believers in your workplace. God caused the official overseeing Daniel's diet to show him favor and sympathy. Daniel cooperated with God by respecting the official and looking after his welfare. Christians sometimes seem to go out of their way to antagonize and judge co-workers. But God commands us in Romans 12, 18, and I quote, If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. An excellent practice is to pray very specifically for God's blessing for those among whom you work. Number five, adoption of a modest lifestyle so that attachment to money, prestige, or power do not stand in the way of risking your job or career if you are pressured to do something contrary to God's command, values, and virtues. Despite reaching the pinnacle of Babylonian education, position, and wealth, Daniel and his friends were constantly ready to lose everything in order to speak and act on God's word. Daniel managed to walk the tightrope of partial cultural assimilation without religious and moral compromise. The stakes are high. Daniel's career and even his life were on the line, and so was the life of the chief Babylonian official, Aspenaz. Yet, by God's grace, Daniel remained composed and maintained his integrity. Even Daniel's enemy would later admit that they could find no grounds for complaint or any corruption because he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was found in him. The life of Daniel and his friends should inspire and instruct us in the falling work environment we find ourselves today. And who knows, perhaps you have come into that current position or office or industry for just such a time as this. This is where we draw the curtains on today's episode. 
Thank you for joining me and looking forward to having you back next week. Today's content was brought courtesy of the Theology of Work project. Do have a wonderful week ahead and stay blessed. Thank <laughs> you.